Everybody and welcome to episode 87 of Middle of the Row the podcast. This week we are discussing the James Gunn produced, the David Yarvasky directed, Brian Gunn and Mark Gunn written, Brightburn. This is a new release and the elevator pitch in the movie is what if Superman was went bad? And it was not seen by a ton of people. But I think it had a really interesting premise that it didn't quite execute all the way. And I think there's a few reasons for why that happened. Ben, John, and I are going to discuss this. Lauren, unfortunately, was under the weather and could not get out to see the movie. The film stars Elizabeth Banks, who is a... I guess now a fairly frequent collaborator with the Gunn family. David Denman, they play the parents of Brandon Breyer, who's played by Jackson Dunn. Um, And then there's a couple other familiar-ish faces in here. The most recognizable for me was Matt Jones from Breaking Bad. Same. Ben and I saw this together, so we've already discussed it a little bit. I think my intro laid out my pretty spoiler-free thoughts in that I can easily rationalize why I think I didn't like love this movie or even think it was pretty good, but it, it, it gets a little spoilery to discuss that. You can tell the guns had a lot of interesting ideas and scenarios they wanted to play out with this concept, and they even execute them pretty well at times in this movie. But it just didn't come together as a whole for me. And how they get from A to B to C, I had a hard time buying into, even if the actors are doing a really good job to try to sell that. So, um, yeah, that's my quick spoilery take. I would recommend watching it, especially if you're interested in the movie. But I don't think you should rush out to see it in the theater. Unless we want more movies like this, and then you should try to see in the theater. It's a double-edged sword. Any movie that's not a major blockbuster that you're interested in seeing, I would say go see it in the theater. So, hey, go see it in the theater. Ben, go real quick. I think I'm a little bit lower than you on it. Like, I mean, again, I, I thought it was fine. And I think, uh, like you said, the, it has this great premise that it doesn't really you know, used to its full potential. And I think part part of me was expecting so much more because I've seen all these different stories where Superman does go bad and it's, those are great stories. They're like epic, but this didn't really have, I mean, I wasn't expecting some Batman type character to show up, but, you know, I just, I wish there had been a bigger buildup and more, more going on with it, I guess. And I mean, there's, there's nothing... There's nothing I, like, disliked about the movie, but there was nothing I really particularly enjoyed either. It was just kind of total passable at every point, but no more than that. I think if you if you do want to see it, I'm not going to stop you, but I'm not going to be like, yeah, go go see it in the theater. 
I would say maybe wait till it's on Amazon or Netflix for you know three ninety nine rent. I, <laughs> I think the I think the third act is actually pretty well executed, even if I'm not bought in a hundred percent on what happens there. It's, like it's well, yeah, I, and it's how well done. And, and how we got to that point. So I that's why I think I have to push back against your. Because I think there is some really good execution, execution and ideas here. It just it's it's a whole. If you step back, it just didn't. The again, the biggest issue I have with the movie is we can't talk about yet. John, go ahead. I guess I don't know if I'm a little bit higher than you guys. Like maybe I feel a little bit higher, but with an asterisk because I actually enjoyed a lot of the acting in this film. I thought a Jackson A. Dunn who played Brandon Breyer. I thought he was great. He was super sinister at times and like creepy and foreboding while at the same time, maybe expressing a kid who is in conflict or just an individual in conflict. I thought Elizabeth Banks and David Denham Denman did great as the parents too, with Elizabeth Banks as this stalwart advocate for her child up until the very end and david denman who's just trying to survive essentially i found all the performances pretty compelling but i think just the overall trajectory of the movie just made me feel so depressed and so i guess also i kind of looked at it from a like we're all educators but the entire time i could not distance myself from like if i had a kid like this who was maybe going who was super smart and super bright but going through some isolation issues or some bullying issues and then started to behave in the way that they did do i see them as redeemable do i because that was essentially elizabeth banks's kind of thesis or the thesis of her character that to a certain degree love and hope can prevail but then maybe it can't. I don't know. You're so, okay. You're you're having the spoiler. You're not. You haven't spoiled anything yet. I would say. Yeah. But that's where my spoil. That, I mean, that's exactly what I want to talk about. So, yeah. do you got anything else you want to throw out there before we get into that? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was an interesting from a from an educator and a child psychology kind of I guess angle. I thought it was super interesting, but it's very 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 dour. And maybe hard to hard to watch in that sense. So I don't know. I had yeah. a similar problem also with. I wasn't quite sure what the tone of the movie was supposed to be. In that similar way to like the end of Pet Cemetery, where that do they want? Are, am I supposed to be horrified, or do they think it's cool and you should be kind of like enjoying it? I don't know. Yeah. Like. I, I had a hard time. I personally was horrified about what was happening, but I wasn't quite sure what the filmmakers thought. I felt like it was more on the horrified scale here than it was in Pet Cemetery, but it wasn't as definitive as I would have liked. And I think that also, as another little quick spoilery or non-spoilery tidbit about the movie, I think the reason I feel that way is because this movie... And people, John, Ben, who's seen a lot more horror movies than me, can speak to this a little better than me. The way it relishes in the gore 
in this movie like the gratuitous gore that happens in a couple moments of this movie i understand gore can be fun and exciting in certain settings but it also it feels unnecessary here and it feels kind of hopeless like it 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 sort of feels like it's gore for the sake of escalating this idea that you 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 want to think that this movie's going to turn out okay you want to and then each kind of scene of that kind of makes it more and more oh no and it just it makes it less fun if it's that that's great that's an appropriate use of gore but i just know so many people you know quote unquote gore hounds turn out to movies to be impressed and for lack of a better word there's much better words that could be used but you know like turned on by the gore like oh yeah look at that you know like they're excited by it and And it kind of feels like i i can't figure out if they want you to be excited by this there's one sequence that yeah definitely feels it's more it's almost like kind of a torture porn-esque kind of Mm-hmm. Like, it feels totally unnecessary. Like, I, I see what they were going for, but there's a second sequence. Once again, the spoilers, I'll differentiate the two, but there's one that it's gross, but I think that has a much better, it's used better because it's not as, like, totally zoomed in on it the whole time, and it's meant... I, I agree with you, and I think once we get into the bigger, broader spoiler conversation about that... I think that moment would have been more effective if the bigger problem that I have with the movie wasn't there. So we're dancing around spoilers too much. Does anybody... Can I say something yeah. real quick, yeah. though? Go ahead. Since you brought up that like, kind of gore. Um, because it wasn't until having conversations with my friend Ian McHenry. Shout out to Ian McHenry. I haven't done a shout out in a while. Who's taken some film classes and talked and uh, enlightened me to the idea that there's a bunch of different kind of genres in terms of cinema that seeks to elicit a very strong profound emotional response and there's kind of the romantic uh genre that tries to uh touch upon the feelings of desire um not in a physical way but in a just kind of emotional longing uh, emotional longing kind of way then there's pornography which physically actually does want to elicit this bio-emotional kind of or bio-psychological like sort of um, arousal and then there's and then there's uh, the horror genre or the torture porn genre kind of which seeks to make you uncomfortable and almost like sick to your stomach with what they display um, and I'm sure films that I haven't seen such as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or some of the earlier horror films were probably at the forefront of that but watching See, this movie, I don't, I don't think that's a fair. Like I, I know people say that, but I'm, I'm not sure if that's a totally fair assessment because those movies push the envelopes. Like they were definitely gorier than what we've seen, but they were never so over the top. Like oh, zoom in on you know this thing that's going on, as opposed well, to. And I think that's that's the problem we have now is. Unfortunately, it was inspired by, I, I think a big part of it was Saw and Hostel. The first Saw is great. The first Hostel, I just, Jesus Christ. Well, the torture porn is the combination of those last two. Like, yeah, and it's, you're, but it's, you're going, it, it's like, it's, a, it's, it's taking this imagery that's supposed to be shocking and unsettling, but it was making it, it turned it into a, a game of like being impressed by the 
more awful thing that you can put up there. So I mean, torture porn is, it's a, it's a quit, it's a it's an appropriate name for it. <laughs> I've never seen a hostile movie, and I definitely like me neither. I have zero interest in watching yeah, a movie yeah. that is defined as torture. But porn. watching so to bring this back to this movie, watching *Brightburn* brought me back in terms of a feeling, a similar feeling of discomfort and just kind of uh, depression and kind of just like this like deadness that it created at the like core of my being um i've never had a similar experience except when my friends in college dragged me to see hobo with a shotgun and oh god oh no hobo with a shotgun is exactly what we're talking about in terms of torture porn like literally the first scene i'm gonna spoil this i don't care is someone who like gets their head trapped in a manhole cover and then someone like ties it around like a string and like ties it to the back of a motorcycle and just like fully accelerates. Like it's like, that was the first scene. And that was, that was, that was the start. That was the, like, the same. So tra- that was worse. the start of, of <laughs> all kinds of fucked upness. But at the end of that movie, I asked myself, what was the point of this besides to feel so uncomfortable and so, uh, such a clear response, not just like psychologically, but emotionally that I know that there is an objective right and wrong. And this movie has me emotionally like assured that there are things that we can say without a doubt. We can argue about morality and postmodernist and all this kind of thing. And, but like there are things that are objectively right and wrong and there are, there are things that are worth fighting for in terms of justice and fairness and equality and that kind of thing and there was actually a streak of that in hobo with a shotgun which i liked which i was just like in the end i was just like am i ever going to watch this movie no hell no but i'm glad it made me think about society in that way through this experience the distinction though is that was like that was supposed to be a comedy and not a horror movie well and, like, and, well, and it was <laughs> it was also sensationalized too right like it was so it was supposed to be like exploitative kind of exactly like, yeah. and and so so out of left field and so like ridiculous that the thing that made it slightly tolerable was the fact that you could be like okay this is this is a movie that's trying to prove a point Brightborn again created that similar kind of level of like depression and kind of like discomfort and just kind of like eh, like crawling like sadness all over your skin but didn't have anything powerful to say didn't have a powerful moral to like or message to say at the end it just posed a lot of questions which I think is is maybe good art but not something I would want to actively suggest, I suppose, or actively recommend. So yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I'm, I'm eager to talk about like the questions that we have in terms of like sort of maybe the themes that it was hinting at or kind of the, the values that it was hinting at to you guys, especially you guys as educators as well. So that's a pretty tepid watch it from the three of us. But I think all of us think worth a watch eventually if if interested so i do think we're gonna have some decent conversation post spoilers though so come on back for that after you've seen the movie but yeah from here on out spoilers for bright burn so spoilers sure spoilers 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 all the spoilers spoilers yeah hey before we get into any of the meaningful stuff was 
was Rain Wilson's character from Super like an Easter egg in this movie? Was, was he, he in, in it? the movie? So I w- I want to go back and look at like the illusions that it was making in the mid credit scene, which by the way, Michael Rooker, shout out to you. You're the best man. <laughs> um, and I kind of, I, I was at first I was intrigued by this idea of like, Oh yeah, they're referencing Aquaman and Oh yeah, they're referencing, uh, wonder woman with like this half man, half sea creature or this supernatural woman choking people with a rope. Like it, it poses this interesting idea that they may or may not fall through on, like, what if the Justice League were evil kind of thing, even though we've seen that before. But then it wasn't just those three. It wasn't just Brightburn, who's, again, a foil for Superman or the Aquaman or Wonder Woman characters. There were, like, three other squares or something like that. And as I'm reading through the Wikipedia, it says... He links them and other superpowered beings, including a figure in red with Brightburn, saying that these beings are out on Earth. And figure in red is linked to the Wikipedia page for Super. Well, he wasn't a bad guy, though. Like, yeah, I haven't I mean, seen Super, so I can't. I don't know. I, I like. No, I, I understand. Mean, Super definitely dances around with the idea of vigilantism, and if you are a good or a bad guy. Even if he thinks he's doing good yeah. things. But, but he was like but, an anti-hero as opposed to Brandon, mm-hmm. who is clearly a, a supervillain. Yeah. I'm not sure about that, John. That's interesting if that is... All I can say is, go see Super. It's a better movie. Much better. <laughs> Shut up, crime! To get into what we wanted to talk about with the... And I think John hit it on the head right before the end of spoilers, is that the lack of... The fact that, uh, what's the guy's kid's name? Brandon. Brandon. The fact that the movie elicits the 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 idea that Brandon did not have a choice in becoming bad is the fatal flaw of this movie. Oh, because like once he found the spaceship, it was just like, oh, and he's a, he's a psychopath now. Yes. I agree. That would have been... It, it ruined the... It ultimately ruins the movie because it takes away any suspense that this... he uh, Yes, there's the... Yes, he is fight going bouncing back in between his super smart, young, nice kid self and these weird instances of him being bad for a few minutes there but once that's gone there's no suspense in the movie anymore yeah like the sequence when the cops show up like that was totally like like it's just nothing it had no oomph because it's like well we know they're not gonna be able to stop him and he's yeah. you know clearly not going to stop that was even the least of my problems the fact that he, we know we know he's like pure evil we can't sympathize as much with his mom's back and forth over whether he's good or bad i think that was a flaw of you were talking about the moments that are like are they supposed to are they supposed to kind of like shock or disgust you like the so Mm -hmm. the first one the one with the the glass in the eye Mm -hmm. like that was just dumb like it was gory for no reason it was just meant to be out there i appreciated the half uh bloody camera shot but yeah i thought that was that was an interesting i think cinematic choice like I don't know. But they, they linger on the, the gore for yeah, a too very long, long now, time. Now, the second one, the one I actually appreciated, but I think it, it, it did its job too well and it hurts the movie, was the one with the car. Because you see, 
Like, it, it totally dehumanizes Brandon. It makes him into this monster. But the thing is, is that we already felt that way about him. If if that if that if the movie had let us go back and forth whether we're we're not sure which Brandon is there, then in that moment, if he makes the choices that he does in that moment, that would I agree, that would have been a much more powerful moment. But I think I think that moment but that moment was also for me it was the it was the turn where it's like, Yep, he's gonna nobody can help him now. Like not even his mom. He's like killing his family, so I guess he does I guess the film does leave it open that he maybe wasn't going to kill his parents until his dad shoots him. He wasn't gonna, he probably wasn't going to kill his mom until she tried to stab him, which by the way, yeah. I did like how that was kind of like that kryptonite kind of thing. I appreciate I appreciated that actually. I also I I kind of appreciate that last shot too. I, it was, was kind of cheesy. Mom. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, it no. Was... I thought that was a great. I'm bummed they showed more after that. They should have ended the movie with just Elizabeth Banks falling to her death. Agreed. Like, they also showed some some hints that maybe he's not completely far gone when it talks about or when he talks to his crush or whatever. And this idea that, like, no, he actually still likes her and actually sees everyone who would turn her against him as like an adversary, but not her herself. And so like, I, but again, I yeah, get but what I, you're saying. I couldn't Zach. sympathize like, with him because he fucking crushed her hand and was being a creeper with, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, and like you're saying, it was, it was obvious. It, it wasn't fleshed out fully, like sort of the extent of kind of the, the possession, so to speak, or the influence of, the alien source or whatever like it was clear that it was influencing him some way but every time he acted like this you were like well is this brandon acting or is this just them like kind of taking over yeah it was it was also unclear if he was i mean it becomes clear but like is he being controlled by this or well i think they were hinting towards something like that because of like you know they talk about the the bees the the bees and like the hive mentality kind of Mm -hmm. thing in the classroom i think that was supposed to be kind of a a nudge in that direction for us yeah i don't know i mean but but i think just the the blurriness or the vagueness around it like takes away from the effectiveness of the of the story and the narrative as a whole though like the fact that we're trying to decipher whether or not it did that well means it didn't do it well that's true i mean there's there's so many but there's these great beats you know like i think the final i think the beats with both of his parents are great but they forgot the stuff in between to get us to from point a to point b it was like yeah like the dad the dad makes a pretty quick decision to decide to shoot him even if it's like an old yeller situation the this previous scene before that was like him feeling i don't know and then i i just think mom comes around way too late on everything as well and but that's the nature that's the nature of the of the mom like it, it made complete sense i don't know in well i don't i don't think it did until i think her turn made sense it's like she was defending her son this is my son there's no way he could be like this but then the first time like actual actual evidence like irrefutable evidence was shown to her she was immediately like oh my god no i think she knew that's what i'm i felt like she should have known before and her struggle wasn't but he's my son it was just like, no, it can't be him. You know, those are two different things. But, but yeah, I didn't feel it as much that way. But I mean, I could see there's it being a blurriness between those two feelings, though, right? Like, it. I don't think that. I don't think it's at too much of a of a spectrum. I think there's like, 
or at either end of the spectrum, excuse me, I think they kind of blur into each other. One's denial, which I felt like she was in, versus can't come to the re- the realization, like doesn't want to believe it, just doesn't, can feel that it's true, but her love for her child is overpowering. I don't know. There is, I feel like it was too cut and dry with her. It needed to be a little bit more. All of a sudden, she gets one phone call. She gets the phone call from the dad's phone or whatever. I mean, that. why did it take that and not her? It was very clear that he murdered the brother-in-law. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah and I think her seeing the logo, I think that was enough of a... Like, that's not a coincidence right then and there. When she sees it, then she's... Then it's it's the clear suspicion. It takes her from like, yeah, my boy has been acting out like this. And he, he's been doing, first of all, we should also establish it. It shouldn't be excused that they know that their son is capable of crazy things because their son isn't from here. Like that, that should be established and that should be acknowledged. Like this isn't like, Oh, I can't believe my son could do this because physically he can't do this. It's well within the possibility that Brandon can do this because he's not from here. And so I think that, puts her at a more even footing of like or maybe not even footing well no yeah in in terms of she doesn't want to believe it for sure but mm-hmm. she knows the possibility will always lurk and then slowly yeah. but surely the pieces start to fall in place where it's the logo and then the pictures and then i mean you don't even need the phone call at that point but then mm-hmm. the phone call from speaking the of the pictures phone. i I got a bit a pretty like I I thought some of the humor in the movie worked like the like when they're looking through his like you know quote 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 unquote porn stash and it's got like the the organs and innards and she's like is this something boys are into <laughs> it's just like nope I also wish the movie the movie just kind of pays lip service to these ideas but like the idea the fears of adoption and the mystery of the where the kid came from and the a, uh, this serving as a puberty metaphor is a little bit more present Dude, than that. That's do you know, that's a great point, Zach. I I feel like it would have because this movie was, I think, as much focused on Brandon and mo- mostly at times. I think I felt so much sympathy for David Denham and Elizabeth Banks's case, especially mm-hmm. Elizabeth. I mean, she's arguably the main character in this movie. But like you said, it didn't hit on those notes. That again, for parents or. Um, expecting adopting parents like that Mm -hmm. that's something that's an anxiety that we take for granted i've got a bunch of friends who are pregnant now and they've got the typical anxieties or worries of okay what what's going to happen when the baby comes and that kind of thing but Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother type of worry compared to how am i supposed to love a child who has potentially so much baggage who won't identify with me or won't necessarily latch on to me immediately how am i supposed to build that relationship and that trust the script always seems to kind of tiptoe right towards these things and then decides well let's just kill somebody gore you know it's just it's i don't know an ex a more thoughtful exploration of these things would have made this a better movie and i think they could have found room for still some of the the scariness of things that happen and i think and i think that brings us to it unless ben you have a point something to add to that i'm just saying like and it's not like they wouldn't have had time to add all this because this was barely Mm -hmm. 90 minutes long so it's like they could have there could have been a half hour of build-ups you know throughout the movie you know yeah and i think i think the other problem with the movie and is it it feels small i mean it's 
there's really only like six or seven characters that really matter in this movie. There's the core family, the aunt and uncle, and then the girlfriend, the girl, quote unquote, girlfriend and the mom, her, her mom, are the Did only really people matter, that really. Though? But I mean, all the story revolves around those characters with the cop having a couple moments outside of that. Okay. And it, it, I don't know. The fact that we had to jump to him killing his family members as like the second violent act of he makes seems like a big extreme jump, especially since he, he kills his uncle who was just. Yeah. Really, I mean, it's like it, maybe he, he was supposedly like, buddy buddy with, I don't know. Maybe he should have like lasered some other kids or small animals, like a, <laughs> you know, like a serial, serial killer in the making kind of thing. Yeah, it just it, it felt like if maybe if they had a little bit more money they could have told a bigger story. Which they clearly really blew wanted this out, to. but yeah. without without it ended, they clearly wanted mm-hmm. a bigger story. Do we think that they do? Like do we think we're opening up a franchise here? Or do we think they're just asking? I think the they wanted of, to make sure if this movie somehow became a sleeper hit, they could make another one and uh yeah. Maybe M. Knight can let him fold them into his universe. The break or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Which I still think is a really good idea, making micro-budget movies within that universe post the events of Glass. But um, that's a conversation we've already had on this podcast. I, I Those are my hang-ups with it, but the, the biggest one overall was just, I was really bummed when it was just like, oh, he's evil. And there was no doubting that. Even though I pointed out some, and you pointed out some instances where there was some choices being made and who to be evil to, but he still was just an evil asshole, ultimately. Yeah. And I I don't know. I I just wish we got less of that. I would have liked this movie so much more if they had given us at least, like, one scene at the end. Like, as much as I loved Michael Rooker's cameo, I would have just loved one scene of him, of uh, Brandon just leveling a city or something i think that would have been because i was i wasn't expecting the whole movie to have that kind of spectacle but i was expecting at least some of it at some point i mean what's like took out an entire building and a plane and a house okay to be fair the house was all right but that's a lot different than like a, a big city the plane we don't really even see it cuts to black and then the damage is done the next the next time we see it you know it's like i just and the building? Do we see? Oh, I, yeah, but that's from, like, I just, I would have liked more of that. Like, a bigger, like, not just, like, you know, zoomed out seeing him way back there on a camera, but I would have loved to see, like, the event actually unfold in real time, you know? We did, We haven't mentioned Chronicle, which I feel like Much did better. this maybe a lot better. Not maybe, certainly. Even if it had a couple wonky even if the transition of the bad in that movie is a little no that was done so much better than this like not even i'm not saying it's i'm just saying chronicle isn't perfect but at least has some it it dances in that gray area where this movie is too black and white ultimately anybody have anything else they'd like to share about brightburn are we saying that the spaceship is analogous to hormones I mean, you could interpret it that way, but I I don't think the movie does a very good job of selling that. And what does that imply that (laughs) you can be killed by your hormones and only injured by your hormones? I don't know. Weird stuff. It might have been a mixed metaphor then, I guess. 
Well, and I get like again the uh, one of the most the saddest things about this was seeing the scenes of Brandon like earlier on. He's getting along fine with his parents, and he's and he's doted upon by his mom and his dad. And but even though he's being doted upon, he's not like like there's there's definitely like Elizabeth Banks like and again like as a mother who couldn't give birth who then suddenly finds like her dreams of having a child like fulfilled literally from the sky like i get the kind of baggage or the the layer there but even as a result of that like brandon seems at the beginning fairly normal like he doesn't seem like a mama's boy or anything like that yeah he's a bit of a wallflower and an introvert but he was just a good kid he was a nice kid or whatever and then even watching him like help his dad and that kind of thing I mean, was he a good kid, though? Because, like, once he found out that he had this kind of power, you know, he started he started using it poorly. But, no, this is true. But then again, that's where the influence of, like, he's being... He's associating the thing that's empowering him as the thing that's also, like, trying to give him direction or an answer of where he's from and what he's supposed to do. And so... Like, like there's that moment where it says, and you see it in his notebook when he's like, you've got all these drawings of impressive line work, may I add. Um, but where he's just, he just writes over and over again, take the world. Right. And that's the thing that that's the message that's emanating from the spaceship. And so I don't, it's just, it's so depressing to watch a good kid turn out this way. And I guess part of me, Part of me hasn't seen, like, the breath of, like, a good kid becoming a complete, like, monster and sociopath in my uh, short career of teaching. But I guess it it just kind of hit on home, like, experiences I've had where I've had a kid that showed so much promise that... Yeah, and then they kind of waste that potential on something so, so low. But, I mean, it's, again, this film doesn't even get the chance to dance with that idea, really, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of it just kind of poses it just kind of I mean, poses. he's this and then he's that and then it do, nobody has really has that conversation. Well, and that's the thing where that's the thing where at the very end where he says, "I want to be good, mom." You're just like, "Wait, does he want to be good?" Yeah, like like do, do you Like we get that you're not completely in control here, but like I mean, I guess us we keep bringing up all these points where they are trying to show that I guess, but the fact that, like, it didn't even register while watching the movie, like, as we've been talking about this, I could see somebody who was a big Brightburn fan, like, pointing out all these things to be like, yeah, they showed it here and here and here, just like we were talking about Daenerys on Game of Thrones, but... I think she was done far better. But the fact that it wasn't even registering, really, for any of us, I guess the most for John, goes to show that something must be off. I guess I don't know. When I mean, you only got ninety minutes to make that happen, and you you just feel like, oh, this guy's a bad guy, no matter what. At the end, you didn't have enough subtlety in your script. I guess. Okay, that's gonna do it for Brightburn. Next week, John referenced our movie, which is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. It is the follow-up to the two thousand four fourteen teen release. Did you say 2004, dude? That one was directed by Gareth Edwards. And it's also a follow-up to the 2017 um, Kong movie as well. Yeah, I I don't think this is a sequel to that one, even if they're all going to come together in the next one. Even if they take place in the same universe. Does that make sense? 
I think you only need to see the 14 Godzilla to be ready for this one. I'd be amazed uh, if you had to see King Kong to get in this, yeah. I was a really big fan of the Gareth Edwards Godzilla. I think it was some of the best like set-piece cinema of the last 10 years. I think it really showed off his talent, which he then again showed off in Rogue, Rogue One. One yeah. But um, he is not directing this movie. Michael Daughtry is. My boy! This is his th- third effort. I've only seen Trick or Treat, Ben Cramp- Vouches for Krampus being Krampus very good. Krampus is great! It's great! Playing with a much bigger budget this time. And the early word is, if you like kaiju fights, what do they call them? Titans in this movie? Yeah, but they're kaiju. Yeah. We're not We're not going to sugarcoat it. They're kaiju. <laughs> like, this, this name change ain't happening here. So I hope it's as beautifully shot as the last one, but we will see. Until then, I'm Zach Oldenburg. You can find me wherever you can find at Zach Oldenburg. You can find us at middleofrow.com can find us on tumblr middle of row and uh you can rate and review this podcast wherever you get it from maybe it'll help other people find it i'm ben grigsby you can find me on twitter and letterboxd at the grigsby bear and you can find all of us on facebook at middle of the row uh i'm jonathan rahul uh you can find me on twitter at another rahul j and you can also follow us on twitter at middle of row thanks for listening Go watch Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And remember, the best seats are in the middle of the road.